What is happening, good people? Welcome to episode two of the Sports Cards Anonymous podcast, a podcast about sports cards. We're going to talk about sports cards news. We're going to talk about some underrated plays, some overrated plays. And uh, also in this episode, and I believe every episode moving forward, we're going to have a segment, a 20 to 30 minute discussion with you, with someone from the hobby. Um, So this week we have Mike. He has a YouTube channel as well, link in the description. Uh, He goes by the Card Vault on YouTube, and uh, you know he's come on, and uh, it's really the point of this that particular segment, and you know all of them moving forward, is to bring somebody from the community on, and just ask them what do you want to talk about, what is interesting to you in the hobby right now. So Mike and I have a pretty good discussion, and I hope you all enjoy it. Now, without any further ado, let's just hop right into the news. And this week, we're going to start with HGA. And I think this is going to be the last time I ever talk about HGA. I'm pretty well over them. I think they've run their company into the ground. I think they've ruined any goodwill they had in, in the in the hobby, in the industry, which I think they had quite a bit. I think they had a lot of goodwill. And I think they've ruined it. Um, so, so their big announcement is they announced a $5 price increase across the board, which I don't really care about. You know, okay, you got to increase prices. It is what it is. I would just say that if you if you look up what their prices are, they have a 30 business day turnaround and they don't give quantity discount on price. It's now $40 per card. Let me remind you, SGC at $30 per card, you get turned around in around 15 to 20 days. So SGC, $10 less per card. You get it back twice as fast. You get a more reputable grade from a more reputable dealer. So I don't really know who HGA is appealing to with this $40 per card on a 30-day turnaround. I don't know why, you know, who they think that target audience is. You know, I understand if it's PC, it's a little bit different, and that's fine. But at $40 per card for PC cards, I don't know, it seems a little bit outrageous. So I'm not crazy about their pricing, but let's get into their update. They tweeted it, of course. And uh, so they talk about the price change, and they said, you know, previously we announced a price increase. This announcement was was met with mixed reviews. However, we have continued to monitor and gauge costs, and price increase is inevitable for many reasons. Okay, that's kind of fine, vanilla, whatever. This next line, though, our process is more in-depth than any other grading company. I'll pause to let you finish your laugh. So again, they say our process is more in-depth than any other grading company. Our process, HGA's process, is more in-depth than any other grading company. If your process is so in-depth, why did we see a fake Mahomes auto, a fake Brady auto, and a fake Wayne Gretzky hit the market in your slabs? You can't sit here and tell me that your process is more in-depth than any other grading company when in the last week... And this announcement comes from October 8th. Within the last week, you have three major cards in your slabs identified as fake. If your process is more in-depth than any other grading company, your words, not mine, how are fake cards coming out in your process? I don't understand that. And for all the HGA fanboys out there, the... Ah, HGH, they're just all unicorns. Unicorns grade the cards with magical computer engineering artificial intelligence logistics. 
For all you HGA fanboys out there getting mad because I'm, I'm talking smack on HGA, in your opinion, when I'm just giving you facts, it is what it is. You know, these HGA fanboys, they like to come out and say, well, when PSA started, you know, they trimmed the most expensive, they graded the most expensive card ever, and it was trimmed. All these companies, when they started, they had issues. You're right, you're right. You're so smart. You know, when these companies started 30 years ago, grading really didn't exist. They built the industry. They developed best practices. And so now, 30 years later, when a company starts, I don't want to see them making the same dumbass mistakes companies made 30 years ago. What the hell kind of sense does that make? Think about that. You're saying, well, this company, PSA starts in 1991. You're saying, well, PSA made these mistakes in 1991. So it's okay that HGA makes them in 2021. No, it's not, guys. The industry is significantly more uh, experienced now. There is no reason to excuse fake cards being graded. Especially the fakes that we saw in the HGA cases. Because again, I do give a little bit... I do say, you know, look, fakes, they're going to happen. You've got people out there with, you know, <laughs> bad intent. And if they can fake a Jordan, you know, I mean, I can see where it's it's unreasonable to expect the fake to be identified. I can see that. But the problem is the three cards that we're talking about were very quickly and easily identified on the Internet as being faked. And if it's that fast and that easy to spot on the Internet, what is HGA doing to let these fakes go through their possession? I just don't, I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I don't see how HGA can sit here and say our process is more in-depth than any other grading company. HGA, how about, how about you take a step back? And instead of telling me how great you are, how about you actually review your process, fix it, and come back and provide better customer service and a better product for your customers? This is absurd for them to come out and say our process is more in-depth than any other grading company the same week all this crap is in the news about their fake cards being graded. They continue. Oh, yeah, they're not going to stop there. It, uh, it turns out HGA is not in the card grading business. They're in the digging business. <clears throat> they say other companies, especially those without subgrades, can be four times more efficient in timing. So they're saying other companies who don't have subgrades can be four times more efficient in their turnaround times because they don't have subgrades. That's what that sentence is saying. SGC, I would love to see a response to this. Do you really think that subgrades lengthen the process four times? There is no freaking way. Guys, when a card gets graded, these companies are looking at the corners and the edges and the surface and the centering. They're looking at all that. They are grading that stuff. They may not sign a numerical grade, that goes on to a subgrade on a card, but they're still grading it. They're still looking at it, making their notes. It's ridiculous to say that because a card doesn't have subgrades, they, it can be turned around four times faster in the grading process. It is nonsense. It's complete nonsense. <laughs> I'm not a grader, and I don't know what it takes to grade a card, but there's just no, I mean, there's, you're not going to convince me. There's no way to convince me that it takes four times longer to turn around a card with subgrades than without. There's no way. 
I just I don't get it. I don't see why HGA feels like they have to just keep throwing shade at everybody and their mom over this stuff. Be humble. Isn't that what Kendrick says? Be humble. Maybe let's try that, huh? And then finally for HGA, the one thing, and I this is this is huge to me, what we're about to talk about. On HEA's website, they have a section that is called Cards We Don't Grade. Cards We Don't Grade. Now, PSA talks about cards they don't grade. It's like significantly damaged, ultra-modern cards. Um, you know, there's something wrong with the card or there's something in question about the authentication of the card. There's not specific cards they don't grade, at least not from what I've read. An HGA section of cards we don't grade. You can check this out on HGA.com, hybridgrading.com forward slash cards we don't grade forward slash. This list, it's about, I don't know, 15 cards maybe. On this list, you're going to see all Desert Shield cards, 1991 tops, Desert Shields, one of the most, probably the most popular set of cards in, in the 90s for baseball. 2012 Contenders Rookie Auto, Russell Wilson. 1979 OPG Tops Gretzky, rookie. 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle. 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan. 1998 Tops Auto Kobe Bryant. 1933 Gaudi Babe Ruth, among others. These are the literally the biggest cards in the hobby. And HGA is saying, eh, we're not going to grade those. You have to ask yourself why. Why is HGA not grading the biggest cards in the hobby? The biggest advertisement a grading company can have is to have the biggest cards in the hobby in their slabs. It brings um, legitimacy to their slabs, especially a newer company that someone was willing to put a $200,000 card in one of their slabs brings legitimacy to those slabs. A lot of people, when they you know pump SGC, they talk about the biggest cards in the hobby are in SGC slabs. Same thing with BGS, same thing with PSA. Right? And it's, it's a huge advertising tool for these companies. HGA is actively saying, we won't grade these. And when you look down this list, you know, other ones in there, scoreboard cards, beautiful autos, basketball, late 90s, 2000 Upper Deck Ovation, Kobe Bryant, another auto card, 2001 Upper Deck Legends football autographs. You're going to notice a lot of autographs on here. But when you go down this list, every one of these cards have a history of being faked in the hobby. And so HGA, instead of saying, even though we have the the most in-depth grading process of any grading company out there. We refuse to take cards that are known for being faked. Why would a grading company refuse to take cards that are known for being faked, but they are the biggest cards in the hobby? We just talked about grading card companies in general want the best cards in the hobby in their slabs. And HGA is coming out and saying, we won't take the best cards in the hobby. Why? Because they don't authenticate. Now that's speculation on my part. But this list tells me that they don't actually authenticate cards. They just grade the card in front of them. They trust what's what's in front of them and they throw it in a slab. 
this cartel, this this site, this HGA cards we don't grade website page tells me they do not authenticate cards. And furthermore, it tells me I'll never buy or submit through HGA ever again. They got to fix this. This, I mean, this is this is a joke. This is an absolute joke. HGA, you started off so promising. You just kept throwing shade at everyone. And you made mistake after mistake, which the hobby honestly was willing to forgive. I was willing to forgive. But instead of accepting the fact that you're wrong, you would just turn back to the hobby and say, you're wrong. You're the issue, not us, HGA. I'm tired of the negativity that HGA has spurned and created. I'm tired of, quite frankly, the minor league grading that we've seen out of HGA. So that's it. I'm never going to talk about HGA again on the channel unless they do something phenomenal and really turn this sucker around. HGA is dead to me at this point. All right, let's move on in the news. Uh, number two here we have up PWCC. They've released their auctions, uh, their auction site um, through their through the PWCC marketplace. Pretty cool. You know, I loved PWCC, what I called was PWCC nights on eBay. You know, the way they do it is they list a ton of thousands of cards. They list them in order, right, from 1933 through 2001, or, or if they do a specific time period, you know, 1990 to 2005, whatever, they list them in order from year. Inside a year, they list them by set. And then inside of the set, they list by player. And then inside of the player, they list by grade, starting from the lowest grade to the highest grade, right? Because the auctions end you know, not you know, within seconds, like w literally within a second of each other. And so that's the way the listings were listed. And it's really nice and it's, it's you know, very organized. So it's easy for you to kind of maneuver through and go through there. And then usually the way they, well, the way they did it on eBay was like, hey, we're going to do eBay, we're going to do baseball from, you know, 1850, whatever, through 1987. That's going to be Tuesday night. Then Wednesday night will be 1988 through 2002 and then so on, right? And then once they're done all the years of baseball, then they'll do football, then they'll do basketball, something like that. And so they brought that, you know, eBay kicked them off of their site. Now they're doing their own marketplace thing. And uh, their auctions end starting October 24th. Their auctions are live right now. You can go in there and bid right now. The first auctions end October 24th, and that's going to be a big baseball night. On October 24th, there are 12,000 items listed to end. And using their, their desktop site, if you want to filter through these cards, they have all, you know, they have a keyword sort, uh, search feature. They have all that kind of stuff that you would expect. Um, you can filter by sport. You can filter by wax, miscellaneous, eye appeal, a lot of things you can filter by. And so overall, up and up, I think it's good. I like it. I'm looking forward to using it. However, there is one big flaw in the system, I think, right now. And I think that if I had something listed with PWCC in these, in these auctions, I would actually ask them to pull it because the site is not usable. That's, that's what I would tell PWCC. And they may disagree, but I'm telling you, it's an issue. So, you know, we talked about everything it can do. What's kind of the issue that I'm seeing? Okay, so there's 12,000 listings that end on the same day, October 24th. And when you're on the desktop site, you can see 100 listings. You have, and so there's 100 listings per page. 
And if you want to skip forward a page, you have to scroll to the bottom of the listings and then you can click on the next page. It gives you five page options. So where you start on page one, you can go from page one to page five or you can hit next. There's no drop down for additional pages. Now there's 12,183 listings and you see 100, I'm guessing 100 listings per page. I didn't count and it doesn't tell you exactly. I'm guessing it's 100. It seems like 100 to me. So that means there's 122 pages. Now, the best thing about PWCC auction nights in my mind on eBay was that I got to window shop. I got to look through a huge volume of cards. I mean, I'm going to see cards I didn't know existed. I'm going to see cards I didn't know I wanted. I'm going to see cards that are at a great price. So I'm interested in buying. To me, PWCC nights were great nights for buyers because you just, it's just like this huge curation of cards in front of you that you just kind of get to filter through. But Right now, from what I'm seeing on their site, because of the way this is listed, I don't really get to search through all that many cards. It's actually kind of difficult because, I mean, you can search by year if you're interested in doing that. But again, I liked kind of seeing a plethora of things. I just want to filter through it. So I would be happy here if they had some sort of filter where I could say, you know, every year post 1995. That would be awesome and I'll scroll through it. But now, if you really want a window shop, you have to scroll to the bottom of the page, then click on page five, right? We're going to skip five pages. And then when you do that, it takes you up to the top of the next page. It, you know, it reloads, brings you to the top of the page. You've got to scroll back down, and now you have to hit on seven. It only skips forward two once you've done that initial click. And, I mean, this may not seem that bad, but we're talking about 55 scrolls and 55 clicks to get through everything. And it's just time consuming. And as someone who is looking forward to these things and wants to participate in these auctions, it's a huge turnoff. I, I mean, I saw this and immediately I was like, okay, yep, I'm, I'm just like not doing this. I'm not going to participate in these auctions until they fix this feature. So PWCC, if you listen, if you hear this, you need to add a drop down and let me skip to a specific page. That would help quite a bit. Or what I would like, if there was either a search function where I can search by um, year using or, so 1997 or 1998 or 1999, so on. Or finally, if there was some sort of filter criteria, you know, preset selections where I can just select the years that I want to look at. I would like to see that. And uh, so if you do have PWCC auction stuff, I think you're going to be fine. If you got some of the bigger stuff, you know, Juan Soto, Tatis, Acuna, people are going to search keyword search for those. You're going to be fine. You know, but if you got some stuff of maybe some B-listers, B-list prospects, stuff like that, especially I think as you get more to the modern stuff, I think that stuff is going to do really poorly at auction because I don't think a lot of people are going to be looking at that stuff because it is difficult to look at and to find. So that's my opinion it will be interesting to see kind of how all this ends. But the thing is, PWCC is not releasing their sales data. I actually talked to Josh from Card Ladder and about this. And he said they're not releasing their sales data. So we're not going to know how these do at auction now that I say that. So community, if you've got stuff listing in the PWCC listings, I would love to hear from you all how you think they did. Because um, I do think, I think it's going to suffer. I think they need, to, they, they need to refine the user interface just a little, I mean, just a hair, just a hair. And if they do that, I think that 
you know, it would fix kind of all my concerns. There's also just of note, there's a PWCC app you can use. Um, it's, it's actually specifically for collection managing and um, not for, you know, to actually participate in the auctions. I didn't really realize that going into it. Thought that, you know, whatever. If you've got a collection there on PWCC Vault, uh, go check it out. All right, moving over now, we're going to talk about um, um, a little bit of data uh, out of PSA. Um, the first part, we're going to talk about vintage, and this is from Sports Cards Daily. And then we're going to talk about the most graded cards in September, and that data is from Sports Cards Investor. So pretty interesting uh, article over at Sports Cards Daily. Go check them out. They talk about year-to-date the most trade, the most graded vintage cards. And uh, I thought these numbers were pretty interesting. The single most graded vintage card in the year 2021 so far has been the 1980 Topps Ricky Henderson rookie. They've graded a little over 2,000 of these cards, and there has only been one PSA 10 graded. I mean, that is phenomenal. The second most graded card is the 1980 Topps Bird Magic Dr. J card, 1,441, so 600 less of these compared to the Ricky Henderson have been graded. Still only one PSA 10. That one's a lot more believable, perforated edges, all that kind of stuff. The Henderson, for there to only be one PSA 10 out of 2,000, wild. Third most graded card. This one was surprising to me. OPG Wayne Gretzky, 1979. I'm surprised there was that many left to be graded. 1,300 graded this year, no 10s. And then the fourth is 1976 Topps Walter Payton rookie. 891 of those graded, only one PSA 10 added to the pop report. So they are certainly grading hard over there. Some other cards on this list, uh, 1979 to 1980, Topps Wayne Gretzky, 1968, Topps Nolan Ryan and Jerry Kuzman rookie, uh, 69, Topps Lou Alcindor, 79, Topps Ozzie Smith, 72, Topps Dr. J, 75, Topps George Brett, 55, Topps Sandy Koufax, 513, 55, Topps Sandy Koufax is graded. That's interesting. 1968 tops Mickey Mantle, 1968 tops Johnny Bench. I believe that's his rookie, right? The 68 tops. I'm pretty sure that's Johnny Bench's rookie. And then 1969 tops Reggie Jackson. So there's your most graded vintage cards. I think most surprising is that the top four cards are what? Two, three, four, five, five and a half thousand cards out of the top four. You know, the top four most graded cards, five, five and a half thousand individual cards were graded, only three tens came out of those. That's pretty wild. All right, so it's moved over to Sports Cards Investors data now that they're sharing from PSA. Looking at um, the most cards graded in the month of September. Um, and believe it or not, TCG was the single most graded card uh, category out of PSA for the month of September. So pretty surprising. That's your Pokemon, your Magic, your Yu-Gi-Oh!, pretty surprising to me that we see so much TCG being graded. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, uh, so they, I guess they graded, yeah, graded, PSA graded over 193, excuse me, over 190,000 items in September, 53,000 of which were basketball, 43,000 of which were baseball, 19,000 football. 7,000 hockey, 5,000 soccer, and then I suppose the rest, more or less, was was TCG. And um, uh, they have a breakdown. Go check out Sports Cards Investors. You know, it's a good site, whatever. But 
They have a breakdown of the most graded players. The most graded player in basketball was Michael Jordan, followed by LeBron James, then Ja Morant, then Kobe, then Zion. In baseball, it's it's Luis Robert, followed by Mike Trout, followed by Bo Bichette, Tatis Jr., Griffey Jr. And then in football, it's Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Mahomes, Brady, Tua Tagovailoa. So, I don't know. I don't think there's any real surprises there. Just thought it was interesting to note. And then finally, last thing in the news, we'll talk about Starstock. <laughs> you know, I put out my video, uh, Starstock. I'm kind of leaving Starstock to go over to ComC. I mean, I'm still using Starstock. It is what it is, but I've been a lot more active on ComC. And uh, Starstock had big news this week. And that news was not all breaks are created equal. Verbatim, what they say. We couldn't help but feel there was an opportunity to elevate the everyday break to make it more insightful, more engaging, and more, and an overall more seamless process. Big news, and it's all breaking news. They're having curated breaks, curated by Trove. I do think that's interesting that they're curating breaks, so they're pulling out really cool product. That first break is going to be um, 2014 to 15 Panini Excalibur. That's the first year you start to see Kabooms. and That's the first set where Kabooms are in. I believe it's the first set. And that break is going to be on October 15th. So more Starstock, big news, and it's all about breaking. So just kind of more to what I was saying where I'm kind of stepping away from Starstock because they care a lot more about breaking than they do about trading cards. And I was there to trade cards, not to break. Uh, I actually have one more thing of news, I guess. We'll, and this one will be short. Tops announces a um, professional baseball license with Excuse me. Top uh, Tops announces licensing agreement with Nippon Professional Baseball Organization, Japanese Baseball League. And um, I don't know. In the art, there's an article here from um, PR Newswire, and um, uh, Tops is saying that they were in negotiations with the league for some time about this. So my guess is they were probably starting in negotiations with the league. Before all the um, fanatics drama, and they they probably just kept kept going and said, "Well, we probably need you more now than ever." Uh, to me, it kind of shows that Tops is going to put up a little bit of a fight. They're not going to just go away. And if fanatics wants to buy Tops, you know, I'm sure they probably could, but it's going to cost money to do it. And uh, so Tops is saying, you know, we're not going to lay over and die. Product for the league will be released in December in Japan. All right, so that's the news for this week. Let's start with pig or hog. Now, time for pig or hog. And actually, I was corrected. I didn't know the actual expression is is pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. I always thought it was pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. But no matter, it still works. So, pig or hog, we talk about a car that recently saw a lot of movement one direction or the other, and we say, is it a pig? It needs to be fat, needs to be fed, whatever, i.e. bought. <laughs> or is it a hog? It needs to be slaughtered, i.e. sold. And this week, we're going to look at 2019 Prism Rookies Terrence Mann. Um, the base Prism PSA 10, a week ago, on October 4th, was $22. In the last week, that card has skyrocketed to $60, and it's tripled in price over the last week. Now, what's driving some of that? 
preseason hype, yada, yada, yada. It happens. People like Terrence Mann. He had that huge performance in the playoffs last year. Uh, but he got into a little bit of a scurvy there with Luka Doncic. And people are digging Terrence Mann. Luka talked a lot of shit at Terrence Mann because of that little fight, that little tussle they got into. And um, so I guess that's driving some interest in Terrence Mann's prices. Now, is Terrence Mann a pig or a hog? I would say Terrence Mann is a hog. This is a card you want to sell, you want to move off of. I don't think you want to hold Terrence Mann that long. People are still intrigued by what Terrence Mann can do because of how well he played in the playoffs against Utah. However, Terrence Mann is a rotational piece at best, especially for the Clippers. He's got a lot of dog in him. He He's a great wing player. You know, you love to see that young wing players, but this guy's a rotational player. He's not going to get the opportunity really to shine in for the Clippers. Is he going to be someone down the line that's going to be good? I don't know. My money would say no. My money is we've seen the best out of Terrence Mann we're going to see. I probably wouldn't buy into any hype for Terrence Mann. Um, But that's just like my opinion, man. He's a good three-point shooter, shoots 41% from the field. Uh, Everything I read about him, he picked up a lot from Pat Bev about how to play good defense, how to be a dog out there. And there's a lot of that. A lot of people say he brings an energy to the court that is infectious, and you can see that amongst his teammates. But is he a superstar and these cards are going to go up? No, I don't think so. I think he's a great rotational piece that people are going to like when they're on. he's on their team, and they're going to buy those cards because he's on their team. If you're going to pick a city to have someone uh, be in for people to buy cards up for you to make money off of, LA's not a bad one. So I give you all that, but uh, I don't buy this recent huge price increase on Terrence Mann cards. We're going to call him a hog, and we're going to say move on. All right, now move on over to Goat Talk, continuing with our barnyard animals. Goat Talk, we're going to talk about a card that I think is goat-worthy. Usually it's going to be a player. That's the intent for this segment. Talk about a goat player card. Last week we talked Otto Graham. We could talk Randy Moss. We could talk Mike Trout. We could talk Mickey Mantle. We could talk Michael Drew. We could talk whatever. Whatever tickles my fancy. But this week, instead of talking a specific player or card, We're going to talk a set. I want to talk about Upper Deck. Upper Deck, I think a lot of people, especially people who are newer in the hobby or even people who have just kind of come back, Upper Deck, specifically Upper Deck basketball and Upper Deck football are not getting the love that they deserve. Back in the day, right, when Upper Deck was making these two sets, football and basketball cards, Upper Deck was known as being a higher-end set, well-made, high-quality cards. And if you, I mean, if you go look at Upper Deck cards still today, from, you know, 20, 30 years ago, these cards do much better, (laughs) condition-wise, raw than Tops or these Bowman, than these other cards. Upper Deck cards were made with care, (laughs) dang it. You know, I mean, really, these are high high condition cards, great quality cards. You did not, it's not like tops. When you, when you ripped a pack of tops at retail, probably cost 99 cents and you're guaranteed at least one rookie. Upper deck was probably like three bucks and you weren't guaranteed a rookie. There's not a lot of rookies cards printed in these upper deck sets. And I think people are really sleeping on what upper deck is. What's it going to take for upper deck to really explode in price? I don't really know. You know, I mean, I don't, it's going to have to become in vogue. People are going to have to like it again. 
But Upper Deck cards were absolutely beautiful. We're going to spit a little bit of knowledge about Upper Deck here, but first, before we do that, Upper Deck, you know, like Tops. Tops makes 35 different products. Think about Panini. Panini Bank Select, Optic, you know, Prism, all that kind of stuff. Upper Deck was doing that back in the day, too. You know, back around the late 90s to early 2000s, in my mind, that's the heyday of Upper Deck. Upper Deck, you know, they had the base Upper Deck cards, which were awesome. But then they had SP Authentic, they had SPX, they had Exquisite. And in all of these cards, you know, then were some of the most sought-after cards in the hobby. All of them. And I do think that as the 2000s start to become more in vogue and more sought-after and chased in the hobby, which I do think will happen, when that happens, I think Upper Deck is really going to start to shine. Because when you think about Upper Deck in the 90s, because the 90s is when, what has been so popular since COVID hit. All the MJ cards, Kobe, Griffey. When you think about Upper Deck, you think 1989, Upper Deck number one, Ken Griffey Jr. And then you stop thinking about Upper Deck. That's what most people, in my opinion, think about for Upper Deck. But Upper Deck really has a resurgence. They really push the boundary of what a good card is in the late 90s and, two, and early 2000s. And without Upper Deck, the whole RPA thing, the jersey, the pat, these premium, premium cards that we see in the hobby, I think we can trace those roots back to Upper Deck in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think that's where that idea comes from. I think Upper Deck had that vision, and then, you know, Tops and Panini just bought rights. So that's my little spiel on Upper Deck, but now we're going to look, we're going to talk about one card in particular. We're going to go to 2003, we're going to look at LeBron James rookies. 2003, Topps Chrome. Topps Chrome, that's the king daddy of LeBron James rookie cards. There are 2,138 PSA 10 Topps Chromes graded. There are 3,155 PSA 9 Topps Chromes graded. There are another 1,360 PSA 8s. So what is that? That's 3,500 plus 3,001. So that's 6,600 cards. There are 6,600 Topps Chrome PSA 8 or better cards in existence in the pop report. If we go look at base upper deck LeBron James, the star rookie card, there are less than 900 total graded base upper deck LeBron James. Less than 900. There are less upper deck PS, PSA cards graded than there are PSA 10 tops chrome cards. Upper deck was a premier brand that was hard to pull rookies in. These are beautiful cards, and I think people are sleeping on them. Right now, an upper deck, a LeBron PSA 9 tops chrome. Costs $4,400. Let me see an upper deck. An upper deck PSA 10 LeBron costs $1,500. So for a third the price, you could get a PSA 10 upper deck, which has a pop report of 295 less than 300 And you're getting it at a third of price compared to a, a pop report of 3000 plus for the PSA 9 Tops Chrome. So I think Upper Deck's being slept on. I think it is a really important, I think it was a really important product for the hobby. And I think their cards are beautiful and they're rare. I think over time, people are really going to pick up on Upper Deck. And let me tell you right now, 
if Fanatics actually does sign on with Upper Deck and now Upper Deck becomes like the premier brand driven by Fanatics, these cards are going to see a lot more juice. I think there's a lot of good good cheddar to be made here. Uh, I bought a PSA 8, the LeBron. I actually, I was looking at this for this podcast and I, I was looking at the 8s. I picked up an 8 for 240 bucks. There's about 800, 8 or better PSA LeBron James upper decks. There's not that many of these cards in existence. Now, let me just give you one bit of warning before you go out buying upper deck rookies. One thing Upper Deck did, and I think that because Upper Deck put so few rookies in their product, like the actual base rookie cards, they also they usually had a parallel set that you could buy. Like if you went to Target, I remember specifically 2007 Upper Deck football. If you bought a box of Upper Deck, you'd get like one or two rookies, and they'd be the base rookies. You could buy for 20 bucks the rookie exclusive box, which had every single rookie that they made, but it was just stamped rookie exclusives. And so think about the 07 tops Kevin Durant. The black border, that's the one you bought out in the wild, right? But then the white border was the one you got in the rookie sets. So that one's not valued near as much because it was easier to get and it was just out there and it's fun. No one cares about it. Rookie exclusives for upper deck, very much that same thing, same idea. So you definitely want to stick to more of the base upper deck rookies. They're much more rare, they're much harder to find. Uh, and then compared to the rookie exclusives, which was like an actual like subset that was just made that you could just buy and you would get a LeBron James rookie guaranteed, right? They run every pack, every, you know, every box. It was guaranteed. So keep that in mind if you start digging into Upper Deck. I love Upper Deck. I've been buying a ton of it. I also got the O3. I bought an O3 Upper Deck Dwayne Wade CSG9 for 40 bucks. Seemed like an absolute bargain to me. All right, now we're going to go to my underrated player for the week, and we are going to give this segment a name. And that name is going to be Cash Cow. We're sticking with uh, the old barn barnyard theme. And uh, similar to last week, last week I gave you all OG Anubi. I don't even know if that's how you say his last name, man. I'm just saying it. OG Anubi. I don't know. And we're going to stick with basketball because I do think that we're going to see basketball pick up over the next week you know, I mean, literally a week from today is opening day basketball. Literally a week from the day. I think it's kind of snuck up on us. You know, when football is starting to get started, you know, we're in the dog days of summer. Basketball is dead. Everyone is just talking about football and it getting started. So there's a lot of hype around it. But basketball just kind of sneakily starts in the middle beginning part of the football season. It's just going to happen. It's just going to dawn on us that it's here. And so I feel like it's not getting a ton of hype right now. And I think what's going to happen is, a lot of these young players are going to come out early in the season, look really good, and their card prices are going to go bananas. The problem is their team's probably not going to look that good, and the prices are going to drop very quickly as the team actually looks bad. But once this player comes out and they drop 30 points like twice inside of two weeks, people are going to be like, oh my God, this guy's so amazing. I got to get his stuff. He's an ex-Aluka. That's what happens. So in that mind, in that that theme my cash cow right now is Keldon Johnson. I think Keldon Johnson's cards are significantly underappreciated, I'll say. Uh, right now, I'm looking at his Prism Silver PSA 10 2019 rookie. In a 10, you can buy this card for $300. Keldon Johnson is a phenomenal player that is going to be heavily featured in that Spurs offense. You know, last year, he had to compete with DeMar DeRozan on offense. But this year... He's going to get a lot of freedom. Yeah, they got Lonnie Walker, and it's pop, so they're going to move the ball around. 
But I would expect this year to be the year that Kelvin Johnson really steps forward and makes his statement as like the guy in San Antonio. Now, 300 bucks may be a lot, and I get that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about some stuff that I bought. So I bought a PSA 9 Prism Silver a week ago for 70 bucks, Kelvin Johnson. And where I think there's actually quite a bit of money is raw optic ver- uh, parallels. I bought a uh, raw optic pink hyper for five bucks. You know, you can find this stuff on eBay. Go find those. I like the optic uh, parallels because I feel like they look better and not a lot of people are looking at them right now. But if that guy explodes, they become very sought after very quickly. So go check out some optic parallels, raw stuff. You know, if you want to, if you want to go down a little bit on the cheaper end for what is available out there. Again, his Prism Silver PSA 10 selling at around 300 bucks. So, you know, you can imagine from there, wherever your budget is, wherever you want to fit in. You know, if you want to stick around that $100 price point, then a PSA 9 Silver Prism is probably where I would go. Again, I picked one of those up for about 68 bucks a week ago. So, you know, I mean, that, to me, it feels like there's a lot of skin on the bone there. Keldon comes out, plays great to start the year. Going to be easy to move. But also, Keldon, you know, if y'all remember, Sports Cards Investor a year ago, before the start of the last season, he said Keldon Johnson is a guy to watch. And then he was right. Keldon Johnson's prices did go bananas during the year, especially after he said that, but it is what it is. Um, you know, going back a year, in November of last year, his silver prism PSA 10 here again is at $382. And then a little bit over a month later, it's 900 bucks. It tripled. And what happened? On 1225, which was opening night, it was a $500 card. It had gotten a little bit of run up because of what Sports Cards Investor said, saying this is a guy to invest in. And then he played well when the season started. And that card, four days later, was $900. Excuse me, eight days later or something. Christmas Day, it's a $500 card. A week later, it's a $900 card. Keldon Johnson played well. The Spurs played well. And it actually held. It held up above $700 through the middle of February. You know, it held for over a month at that seven dollars to $900 range. And then, like the rest of the market, it just kind of crashed. And it's been pretty low since then. And it's just staying low. And I think that the Spurs come out. I don't, the Spurs aren't going to make any noise, but Keldon Johnson might. And if Keldon Johnson does, I think his cards go up quite a bit. Um, you know, these, these athletic wings that can score real well. These are the guys that the hobby really tends to put a lot of money into. Your Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler. You know, these are the guys that generally win championships too, honestly. You know, Jason Tatum, obviously he doesn't have championship, but I just mean you're the most dominant players usually in the basketball in basketball now are athletic guards that can or excuse me, athletic wings that can kind of do it all. And um so yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of money to be made on Kelton Johnson if he comes out and plays well. So again, I've got I don't know I've got less I've got maybe right at a hundred bucks invested in him. Most of it in that Prism Silver PSA nine, but then some optic parallels as well. So keep an eye out on those. I definitely am not moving any of those until after the season starts. I expect them to come out, have a few big games, cards pump up, and then I'll probably move off of them. That's my plan for that. All right, so that's the cash cow segment now. Um, Let's go into the discussion with Mike from the Card Vault. I'm going to stop talking now. We'll bring in the audio from Mike. And uh, yeah, I hope you all enjoyed that discussion. 
All right. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, please introduce yourself to the good people at home. Hey, everyone listening. My name's Mike. Uh, I'm the Card Vault on YouTube. Uh, so a little bit of background on myself. I'm actually newer to the hobby. Um, I used to collect pre-middle school. Uh, so for context, I'm 26 now. So I've been out of the game um, since about 2006 mm -hmm. and re recently picked it back up heavy in December of last year. Um, a coworker introduced me to the fact that Pokemon was taking off mm -hmm. and basically like a lot of other people in the hobby, I went to the boxes in my parents' basement, started digging through that, uh, found some cool stuff, learned about PSA, sent those off to PSA grading. And since then, I'm not too interested in Pokemon, but that's kind of how I got started. And now mm -hmm. it's just been for the last nine months, just heavy into sports cards. Cause I think that's, that's what I enjoy the most, like the people listening. What was the Pokemon you had in those boxes? From uh, so I didn't have a lot of first edition. I had one first edition hollow, I think Slowbro, and that was the yeah. most beat up card I had. Now, <laughs> of course. First edition hollow I have is just like six creases. I was throwing it around. I don't know what I was doing. Um, I found a base Charizard, and of course that was stained. Uh, but I sent that in, just, you know, giggles. Yeah. But I found some pretty cool hollows. Uh, I don't know if you're too familiar, but, like, a Shining Gyarados was a cool one, I remember. So it's red. And uh, I think that's that was that from? I know the early Pokemon. You know, I don't want to say pretty well. I know the first set, those first three sets, you know, Unlimited, all that crap. But um, a Shiny, I mean, they must not introduce that until probably, like, what, 02 or something? I don't know what set that would have been. That I, I'd have to look that up. I know it's that 1999 to... 2000 i think my cards went up to 2002 like you were saying so it's yeah. in that range but I, i'm far from an expert in that yeah. and chat i'm sure we're wrong about this so don't murder us in the yeah, chat no, no, no we're no. just speaking Definitely on the not, not pokemon cards pokemon so. expert at all not at yeah. all okay cool so then so you, you get that stuff you get some money going in and what'd you start buying and what have you been buying you know uh since you kind of moved over to the sports card segment so starting off, uh, I went straight into sports cards, didn't buy one Pokemon card after submitting. Uh, I kind of just started with, because I had been out of sports in general, like watching. I got a new job when uh, four or five years ago, and like that's kind of taken over my life, sadly. So uh, during COVID and all that, I was like, I, I need something else sure. um, since everything outside was taken. So I just kind of started with the players. I knew were like super popular, made a lot of mistakes. I bought like a high-end Aaron Donald, which isn't a bad mistake, but didn't know what eBay comps were, like paid. Uh, Looking back now, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I lost on that. Um, since then, I I bought some 49er cards, like a Nick Bosa autograph. That was probably a decent play, um, but that was the second card I bought after the Donald. Uh, but since then, like, I didn't know what Panini was. I was so out of it. Like, this mm -hmm. is sure. I'm out of yeah. it for 15 years. Uh, so since then, I've just been learning, like, God, watching content like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and just diving really deep into it. As of now, I've stacked up a, a pretty decent collection, I, I'd say. Um, I just dropped a mail day where I got some pretty cool cards I'm, I'm happy with. Um, the is biggest one is, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What's the biggest one? Go ahead. Biggest one uh, was a PSA 8 uh, Kobe Bryant Stardate rookie card. 
I'm pretty oh, happy about that one. Freaking nice. That's a great card. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the PSA nine and ten prices are like I, I they've come down, but not not far enough not a, for me. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and that's another thing. I've, I've learned to embrace the PSA eight and nines. When I first started, I was like, why would I want anything less than a ten? It doesn't make right. like it's it's hard for me to look at. But since then, it's it doesn't make sense. Spending twenty grand on a PSA ten start date just. I, I want the card and I want it slabbed in a PSA eight's like a nice card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People sleep on eights, I think, especially the further you go back, I think the more valuable eights are. I mean, that's true for any lower grade. You know, and then then that set in particular is one that doesn't grade particularly well, right? Because it has a lot of chipping exactly. and things like that. So I mean, without looking at pop reports, I would guess eight's probably the the most graded grade for that set, but I'm not sure. Probably, yeah, I'm, I'm not too positive, but I, I would say so. Yeah, because when you look at a lot of the ultra-modern stuff, sometimes it is actually hard for me to look at eights because when you look at pop reports, you know, you know, Lucas pop reports we like to look at, whatever. You you know, you've got 20, 30,000, nine and above, whatever it is, and then you've got like 15 eights. You eight. know, it's like, okay, eight, at that happen. point, eight is a damaged card, you know, exactly. if, if basically everything's nine and up. And not to, I don't want to jump straight into the whole fanatics taking over type thing, but I've been focusing more on vintage. And that's the main reason I'm looking at eights, nines, even. I haven't bought a seven yet, but I'm open to it depending on the car. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, strictly for modern, it's the PSA. I wouldn't, I would never buy a PSA nine base ultra modern, I, I would think. Um, but I'm like any silvers, hollows, parallels. I think the nines are a steal. For, it, for the most part, like you can diversify, you can get three different PSA nine hollows for the price of one PSA 10. Right. And that That's kind of the approach I've taken, uh, diversifying PSA nines are more liquid. And in my experience, more people are willing to spend $500 on a PSA nine Luca blue velocity or whatever, uh, compared to 2,500 or 2000 on a PSA 10. And that allows you to get like a Trey Young PSA nine hollow mm -hmm. or something like that. And I, I think that's kind of undervalued of a in a play aspect right now. No, that's a great point because like, yeah, you know, say you had two grand to spend, you can go buy one PSA ten Luca optic blue velocity, and maybe that's not the right price. I don't know. We you know, we're just throwing we're spitballing here. Absolutely not. Yeah. Or you can buy like, you know, three you can buy a, a PSA nine version of that car for Luca. Then you could buy a Trey PSA nine version, and then a, you know a, probably a Draw Morant and a Zion. You know you can really di diversify, hit different players, and then you know as one or multiple of them go up, you know you can you can win on those. Whereas if you all, if you have all your money sunk into one player, right, it's just there's a lot of risk now riding on that one player. Exactly, and uh, just in my experience, it's easier to sell off three six to seven hundred dollar cards than throwing up a twenty five hundred dollar card on ebay it's pretty easy but you're taking that 13 percent fee uh so in person i think six to seven hundred dollars is pretty liquid compared yeah i know flipping steve likes to talk about that a lot you know he's like as you see these prices come down you know you're going to start to meet a lot of resistance pushing upwards because these are cards that people want and at two thousand dollars you know they're out of their price points but then when they slip down to like five hundred dollars for example you have a lot more people in that price range uh looking to buy cards and so yeah i still feel like cards under a grand are, are pretty liquid you know from when i look around i feel like that stuff sells quite a bit you know I, yeah i think two grand and above is kind of where you start to see a, a big drop off in liquidity 
Yeah, I would say two grand and above. I for the most part for me, I have to sell strictly on eBay, but otherwise anything lower. A thousand and under is the range I like to plan. It's the most liquid, allows you to diversify, and you're still getting cool cards that appreciate yeah. the same amount. Because a PSA nine, that's five hundred bucks. It may take longer, a little bit, but it's sometimes you see higher percentage gains than on a PSA ten because it's more liquid. The PSA ten for some people, that's a paycheck. For a PSA nine, that's within reasonable amount for more people. I yeah, I was kind of surprised. I think a couple of weeks ago, I looked at some Brady cards and the PSA 8s outpaced the 9s and the 10s. Like over the last like six months, like the 8s were up like 300%. Where the 9s and 10s were up like 100 to 150%. You know, it's just like, man, that's it's Still crazy. Myself, uh, I, I Instead of the PSA 2000 Chrome for Brady, I went with the uh, LeBron PSA 8, both around 2000 at the same point. And that Brady's, God, it, it was going out of control. And that LeBron, I think, still it's still at two thousand, hasn't moved an inch. Um, and I think that Brady, I, I like Brady as a player more than I like LeBron. That was a strict investment piece. I'm not really a LeBron guy, um, but yeah, I, I I missed on that one. So that's something to learn from, I guess. Yeah, it's funny you even mention that because I really I've been talking a little bit now. I'm trying to save up some bankroll. I'm trying to save up like five grand and then make like two or three big splashes. Nice. And just plan plan out my portfolio portfolio a little bit better. And I keep looking at LeBron. I think I want to get like a Bowman Chrome of his in there. But I keep thinking, I'm like, man, so many people don't like LeBron. And his cards just have not moved, man. They set. But I don't know. Lakers probably come out and do all right, and his cards probably go up. Who knows? That, that's my play. I, I bought. I actually bought two uh, PSA 9 Carmelo Anthony's, hoping for a little. Nice. Yeah. Um, I actually heard, yeah, Flippin' Steve, he was buying the uh, Dwayne Wade PSA 9s for 260 I heard the that. Tops, is that Topps Chrome? The Topps Chrome, yeah, 2003 Topps Chrome PSA 9 rookie card for 260 And to me, that sounded like a great deal because I think they were doing uh, 600 700 at one point during the, the huge boom. Sure. Uh, so I was looking at that, uh, sent a few offers around that, couldn't get anybody. And then I saw Carmelo Anthony was doing half that price for his PSA 9 2003 Chrome. Um, and the fact he's still playing now, I think – he can actually do stuff that's going to increase his prices compared to Dwayne Wade. Obviously, Wade's going to increase over time, but he's not playing anymore. Carmelo, if he drops 30 in a game or they go to the playoffs and he does well, that thing's going up. It might not go up a huge amount, but that's another thing I've been looking at. People that are on the edge of probably retirement, yeah, but can still have a big game and increase those prices. Well, I think – your mellow play in particular could be a good one because when you look at mellow and not only is he still playing, he's playing on the Lakers, you know, a team, you know, heavily favored to win the championship. Well, I don't want to say heavily favored to win the overall championship, but you know, people do like their odds to win the championship, right? They don't have long odds. So one I'll give you, I'm actually going to talk about this, you know, we're, you know, for the community here, we, we are recording this prior to me even recording my podcast. So Mike here does, has no idea what I've just Ram, rambled on about for the last 30 minutes or an hour, wherever I place in, in the podcast. But you mentioned Topps Chrome and Dwayne Wade. And I know people like Topps Chrome, but one thing I'm going to talk in the, about in the podcast is Upper Deck. Upper Deck is super underrated because no one really knows what Upper Deck is if they join the hobby in the last <laughs> decade almost. You know, see, I mean, really, because it, you know, they lost the licenses to the major brands and now they're just in hockey. So if you're not in hockey, you don't know what Upper Deck is. But Upper Deck back in the day, I mean, their cards were beautiful. They were known for having 
really well-made cards and they really pushed the boundaries of some stuff. I really think upper deck is the reason that we're really in this, you know, where jerseys and patches and autos are such a big part of the hobby. And I feel like upper deck really pushed that in the early 2000s. And when you look at, so you're Dwayne Wade or whatever, I'm looking at LeBron's um, upper deck and his tops Chrome. So his tops Chrome right now, there's 3,100 PSA nines. And there's another 2,100 PSA 10s for the Topps Chrome, right? So 5,200 total. The upper deck rookie, there's a total of less than 600, less than 700 in wow. a PSA 9 or 10. And a PSA 10 can be had for $2,200. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of play in upper deck. So I I recently bought an upper deck Dwayne Wade CSG 9 rookie. Nice. And I'm looking to buy some of his stuff raw too because, again, the upper deck, I mean, they they're – you know, they really made good good quality cards, and so I think you could get lucky with some of those and still find some nines out in the wild. Well, that sounds like a great play, and like I was saying, you know, I'm coming back from fifteen year, a 15-year yeah. hiatus, um, so I think a lot of the new members of the sports card community are kind of in the same boat as me. I remember Upper Deck a little bit from when I was, God, like eight years old or something. Right, like yeah. That. I think I have some cards uh, in some boxes somewhere, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a time for a learning curve where we realize these upper deck cards exist. You can get a PSA 10 with a lower pop that looks great. And it, it just makes more sense. And I think that's just going to be a, a time type deal, uh, that we'll eventually get to. Yeah. I'll probably explore this more early in the podcast. So I won't linger here for the chat, no, but worries. you know, I don't know. It, it's funny, you know, everything falls in and out of out of favor and maybe Upper Deck never comes back. But if it does, man, that stuff's going to explode. It's going to go bananas. So everybody keep an eye out on that stuff. So Yeah, I think Topps Chrome's just, it's all that's really talked about. But I think I fall into this, this boat too, just kind of buying the, the key rookie cards that you hear about on YouTube, like the 03 Topps Chrome's, LeBron's, but not really doing your own like just research on all the different alternatives and i think eye appeal really is something that people don't really look at enough eye appeal is very underrated to me uh it's just you know tops chrome's really popular so you buy a top chrome rookie card you don't look at the other alternatives and if they look great they're gonna sell and i think that's kind of missed yeah it's funny you say that because again so i'm sitting here thinking about adding a lebron and i'm okay what lebron do i want to add i've always loved the bowman and bowman chrome because i love the picture i think it's a beautiful card and I love that light blue that they do for their rookies. And then when I look at top, I like the tops paper. It's okay, you know, it's a little gimmick. You know, it's his draft. He's in the yeah, suit. The, it's whatever. Big white suit, like it's, yeah. it's a gimmick, yeah, it's a gimmicky like funny kind of card. But yeah. as like a long term, it's that's not the one. I but I actually hate his tops chrome picture. <laughs> I mean, it's an action photo, which is cool, but I don't know. He's just shooting this fadeaway jumper, and I just in it, it. I don't know. I just don't really like that card, and I don't like the way it looks. So I don't know. I, the tops chrome's never really appealed to me as a collector, I guess, or as just a person in the hobby. Yeah. As a set, I, I like the overall look, obviously, of the Chrome, but I, I prefer yeah. the Roman Chrome, like you were saying. Yeah. 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 That is the black with the blue. It's it's a really nice looking car. Yeah. It's I don't even know. What does Carmelo's Topps Chrome look like? Let's go. You know, if I can yeah. find it. We got like two or something up here. There we go. Here's well, you'll a little bit better. He's like he's getting a rebound over a couple of guys. Oh no, he's he's shooting a teardrop yeah, over a couple of guys. A runner, a putback or something, maybe a floater. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's all preference. But anyway, enough about that nonsense. All right, brother. So, 
you know, what do you, is there anything you want to talk about in particular? What's on your, your heart, man? What, what do you want to talk about in the hobby? What's on my heart? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. um, I actually just watched uh, Neo's video about PWCC, I guess, launching their site. And I, I haven't kept up too much with it, um, but it's something I'm definitely going to dive into after uh, just as another way to, or another site to possibly purchase some cards. Cause I, I prefer the auctions. I really do. Um, Cause I think by now, like you get these people setting their prices at like one and a half times comps and they're just, they put it up there, but they're not going to take current comps. And it's kind of just like, what are you doing? Auctions are, I think are where the plays are made. So I'm kind of excited to check that out. Yeah, I think everyone should check out auctions. I'm actually, this is what I'm going to lead the podcast episode off with. So everybody probably heard my spiel already. But just in general, you know, when I check out their user interface and how it works, if I had a card listed on the PWCC auctions this month, I would ask them to remove it because it's so hard to use their interface to find cards. Because what I loved about PWCC on eBay was the ability to like window shop and just go through and see multiple cards. But the way their interface is, it's really difficult to do that. It's really time consuming. Um, I mean, I did the math, like to go through every card on there. I mean, you, you'd have to do 55 clicks and 55 scrolls down a hundred listings. I mean, that's so much, they don't have any drop down, uh, functions for you to skip between pages. So you have to go two pages at a time, a hundred listings at a time through 12,000 listings. I'm like, this is awful. They have to fix this. Yeah. So, yeah. It's gotta be fixed. That's so yeah, I was really excited about it, but I mean, right now the interface, I think it's a little bit lackluster. Uh, I'll keep an eye on it, but yeah, I'm probably not going to use it this first month. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, I haven't even checked it out. I just watched the video, but yeah, once they make that change, I think there's potential there to at least, yeah. Oh, just, yeah. I'm excited about it. I loved buying from PWCC auctions. Yeah. I'm excited that they have their own site. And, you know, I was pretty PWCC in the split between them and eBay. I thought the way eBay did it was pretty shitty. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I want to use PWCC, but they got to fix that. I can't, I just it's too time consuming to really, you know, go through there with that in there. So exactly. And, and they don't have like a year filter. If they added a year filter, it would be pretty cool. Like if I could just select the years I want to look at, you know, because that's the way I would do it for PWCC auctions. I'd be like, okay, starting in 1990, I'm going to look forward at every card they have. And you know, you can just do a brief search, you know, you can just go through, but you can't really do that on their interface. So. Yeah. Hopefully they're taking like a uh, recommendation somehow. I'm not sure. I, I haven't checked it out. But yeah. I don't know. I, I've been meaning to write them. Whatever. Yeah, they're, they're too big to not have it convenient for us. Exactly. And then also, if anybody, well, whatever. If you try to use the app, the app's more for management, collection management. So you can't actually look at the auctions on the app, which is kind of odd, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right, man. So you said you have a YouTube channel. What all do you do on your YouTube? Uh, so I, I started at the beginning uh, just watching a lot of card openings, like box breaks and stuff like that. Um, and then I was kind of like, I could do this. That, that's kind of how I just, I wanted to kind of interact with the community more and like just yeah. you know, start conversations, get more involved really. Uh, so I started with that, uh, with all the overprinting and stuff like that. I was like, I, I, I'd open a box and then I'd try to sell 99.9% .9 of it. Cause I, I didn't want to keep it. I had right. one, maybe one good card. And I was like, ah, this is more of a hassle. Uh, so I kind of I'm stirring away from that, kind of diving into, uh, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I have uh, monthly card shows in the area I can go to. Nice. Uh, so I, I do like pickups there. Um, I don't really do the whole vlogging, like, oh, watch me or have a cameraman follow me around. Um, but card shows, I, I think, are such a fun part of the hobby. Um, so if I can go to one within an hour, 
Uh, I try to do that. Heck yeah. Um, aside from that, it's really just kind of, I, I try to get into star stock. Um, I, I just actually watched your video on it, kind of switching over to Com C, not to run it for everybody that's kind of watching this. Um, I haven't had too much action. I, I bought some things, but they were mainly basketball cards. So I'm kind of waiting for the season to pick up, hopefully like some spikes, then I'll start to day trade more. Um, but yeah, so star stock card shows and kind of just the weekly market reviews, trying to get into using card ladder, kind of yeah. inspiration from you. Um, and yeah, just those three main things uh, when I can't find a local card show. All right. And then your YouTube name is The Card Vault, right? Yes. Yes, the, the card, card vault. vault. We'll have a link to uh, Mike's um, channel in the description below. And uh, if you're listening to it on a podcast, I'll have it in the description uh, there as well. So everybody go check out Mike's channel. All right, Mike. So you said, um, well, you didn't say actually. So what is, I mean, you said that you were doing some card shows in person and stuff and yeah. you dabbled with Starstock. But what's, you know, mostly how have you been buying and selling cards? Uh, so I, I mainly buy through eBay. Mm -hmm. um, the last mail day I did, I had about seven or eight cards um and then because uh, we get taxed here in california um so i i've been using ship my cards. <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> um so uh i've been using ship my cards um just to avoid that and sure. i found it, it works a lot it's kind of like a great way to bypass because they ship to oregon which for some reason doesn't have tax on online purchases which is amazing but uh live in a state whose rules you agree with man that's all it is yeah. No, I got to get out of California. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I could rant. Um, but yeah, so e eBay and then uh, to skip taxes, you ship my cards. And I think that way you find pretty good deals. Uh, typically, I, I, like I was saying, I stick to the auction so I can get stuff around comps because um, bins are pretty hard. Uh, in card shows, you, I, in my experience, there are a lot of sticklers like no one dropping below comps or even at comps. So They're rough, man. There are sometimes I go to card shows and I'm like, why did I drive here? Um, but th they're fun regardless. But right now, eBay's still my biggest uh, platform to purchase. Yeah, everyone talking about, oh, you go to card shows, you get good deals. I'm like, I don't know what dealers y'all are working with. You got nice deals wherever you're going. Yeah, you know, you, for me, I either have to stick to the low dollar stuff or really what I prefer to do is stick to the stuff that doesn't have comps because then you can find a deal, right? Because then you think, yeah, you know, I think this is worth, you know, 800 bucks. But you ask them, hey, what, what do you value this card at? And they're like 300 bucks. It's okay, you know, let's, yeah. let's work something out here. So, uh, yeah, but when you have those like set prices, this is what the card goes for, man, they don't move too much off of that stuff. Yeah, I went to one two months ago. There was a dealer. I think it was uh, a Luca Blue Velocity PSA 9 before I picked one up myself on eBay. I comps were around 550 and I, I asked him the comp, like I did, or asked him what the price was. And he just spit out twelve hundred immediately. And no, and, and that, but that's what you get at card shows sometimes. Yeah. And I'm just, wh why'd you set up here? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. These guys, um, man, it's so frustrating. It's infuriating. So why are you here? Why are you here? Why do you have yeah. a tank? Like, they have all these cards. I'm like, why are you wasting my time by having this out here? You know, making me look at it, and then you're not going to sell at reasonable yeah. prices. I laughed and I walked. Like, I didn't, not to be rude, but like, I giggled and like walked away. I was just like, no, why are you here? Yeah, I mean, I've had, I mean, I shared one story. I think I had a Jerry Rice PSA 6 I was looking at, the last Dallas show that I went to, like, in May. And the guy, I was like, how much, you know, for the Rice? Because I didn't know comps on that card, you know, I ain't been looking at it. 
And he said, you know, so he's going to look up comps. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to look up comps too. And I'm like, I see multiple sales on eBay in the last like three weeks for six, for uh, like 45 bucks. And he's like, the price is $90. I'm like, uh, this card sells for 45 bucks. He's like, no, it's 90. And then oh, I just walked, I just walked away. I'm like, you're, just, you're fucking absurd. No, it's 90. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like, this it's is ridiculous. Awful. Oh my. Yeah. So I actually went to uh, one yesterday and I had the same thing. Um, it was a smaller show. So there wasn't, I was looking for higher end baseball, didn't see any. Yeah. So I did this smaller dollar box. And that's really the only place you can find deals when you see that's the case. Yeah. And, uh, I found some cool stuff. Like that's where you can make, I think I got like $40 worth of cards for like 15 bucks. Like that's where you can still make deals. So not all hope is lost. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely make a lot of good value there. I know it was Ryan card collector too. You know, he spends oh, yeah. a lot of his, all his show vlogs for the most part is like him digging through boxes. And I've seen him a couple times at Dallas. And I mean, that's what he's doing. You know, it's legitimate. He's just digging through boxes. And I mean, when I go to a big show, that's what I spend most of my time doing. I mean, you can only see so many PSA 10 Lucas and, and care, you know, but exactly when you dig through these dollar boxes and every once in a while you find a gym that just pays for your entire purchase and then everything else is gravy. It's just hard yeah. to move that much, you know, then, but then you're, you have to move volume through eBay, which is difficult, but it is what it is. Yeah. I kind of took that, uh, approach. It's just, it, it doesn't make sense for the most part. Just kind of like don't interact with the dealers sometimes if you know they're like that and just dig through the boxes and you'll find great deals. So, and it's pretty fun. Actually. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. uh, I, I know this is going to be just purely voice, but I know you've been into the, I mean, this isn't real. This is older to me cause I'm brand new to the hobby pretty much. Oh. Uh, but like, uh, this $2, hey. uh, tops Chrome X Fractor of Peyton Manning. Wow, Not that's a, anything. That's uh, a, sorry? For, for the audience. That's, I think, I believe a 2008 tops Chrome X Fractor Peyton. Yeah. Right? Sorry. Yeah. You, you, I'm not great at this. There's a glare, but yeah. yeah. Tops Chrome X Fractor Peyton Manning from 2008, uh, labeled for two bucks. And I looked up comps, they're like 20. So just as an example, like you can find some cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I love, so I love that. So sets, right. Those, you know, mid 2000s Tops Chrome, just, I have those for days, man, from my collection from when I was little, I have Brady refractors coming out of my ears. I can't believe the prices on these cards. It's ridiculous. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that card's freaking awesome. The Peyton you just shared and that it goes for 20 bucks just blows my mind for yeah. for 12 years. That was like a three dollar card. You know, you could probably find in 50 cent bins all over the place all day. And um, so it's amazing. That's 20 bucks. And it's amazing that you find it in a two dollar sticker bin, you know, and it deals like that all over the place. And that's why I think it's so important to have a good width of knowledge when you go to these shows, because there's a lot of money to be made in these value bins. If you know, if you're going to spend the time digging through them. Uh, if, if you just kind of halfway know that this stuff is good. so Exactly. And like, I, I'm no expert in two, mid 2000 football. Sure. That's when I was out of it. But a Peyton Manning X Fractor from 2008, I know the market's kind of crazy right now. $2 seemed crazy to me. And you can kind of use your hunch if you, you know, been in the hobby at least a few months. I'm less than a year in and I kind of saw that and I was like, that's a little weird. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't know why they had that stickered it too. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a, it's an old sticker probably from months ago. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. a card, yeah. Yeah, it must have been. His football took off a little late and Manning took off a little late too. So Yeah. All right, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about with, with regards to the hobby? I don't know, you know, HGA, fanatics, any specific sport you're digging right now or, you know, what do you want to talk uh, about? 
what I'm digging right now, since I kind of bought a lot of basketball a month or two ago, um, I'm waiting for those to kind of spike a little bit. And hopefully with the postseason of baseball ending, going to move that into the typical, like hopefully a higher end Juan Soto or Tatis, Acuna. Uh, Rosarina has been insane. Man, so I, I'm, not, I'm not touching him right now. Yeah, no. his price has doubled or tripled. Um, so same with Alvarez. So on the Astros. So I'm gonna kind of wait till those things cool down, cool down, and basketball heats up, and then I'm gonna try to slowly transition uh, my basketball into baseball. Yeah, I I do think this handoff is interesting. You know, last week, a week ago from recording my uh market monday review was like baseball basketball season handoff because it does feel like that you know and i mean you see the soto's already heating up of course because he had a great end of the season but also yeah, did we already know. see his low for the off season you know did that yeah. already pass us and then if that's the case how are we at current lows for like acuna and guys like that or are they still in front of us i don't know but you see you know basketball prices starting to heat up i think it's a good play to kind of switch that stuff over uh, but I'm curious to see how much lower does baseball go and how much higher does basketball go from here. Agreed. I, I'm going to definitely hold off until the end of the preseason for basketball. Hopefully sure. some, some names I have have some big games. And I'm going to hope Soto's not like going back up already by that point. That's And if he is, I'm going to look at Tatis Acuna and hope at least one of them's down. Because I've been uh, keeping an eye on Soto's uh, pink refractor because I think that's it's an obtainable card. Um, but it's it hasn't come down. It was doing 800 a few months ago, and you can't find one for less than 1400 on eBay right now. Yeah, so I got it pulled up on Card Ladder. So all through September, there's multiple sales of Juan Soto 2018 Tops Chrome Pink Update PSA 10 for eight to nine hundred bucks in that range. And then on October 3rd, that card sells for eighteen hundred bucks. And then yesterday, from time of recording on the ninth, it sold for thirteen twenty six. I guess that's probably at auction. And yeah, so I mean, you just see that it has this huge. I mean, it had basically a fifty percent jump from where it was selling at in September to where it is right now. And then so yeah. where it moves from here is going to be interesting. I was keeping an eye that that eighteen hundred sales seemed a little weird because I think a BGS ten actually sold for fifteen twenty five like the day after. So that was something I was kind of off about i didn't really understand that it's a best offer so it may it was probably less than that it was probably less it, than yeah 800. maybe it's but reported as 1800 though so yeah so i, mean, I think it's a good play though i think it's a good move you know i think a lot of people are trying to do it and I, i've been chewing on that because actually my last live stream a lot of people i, was, I asked I was like, what are y'all doing and basically everybody's saying you know we're gonna try to move some basketball moving to baseball and i'm like okay well if we all have the same plans so it's not <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So if everyone's trying to do that, what do I need to be doing? And maybe it's I need to be buying baseball right now. Or what it is, is maybe in two weeks, I need to be looking at football because no one's thinking about it. Yeah. Zig when they zack. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I've just, his, this is a fun way for me to kind of like invest. It's a, I, I view this as like a hobby that can you can either break even on and potentially make money. And that that's just cool. Right. Like a hobby that you can break even on or make money, like sign me up. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, I see it as like a fun way to invest. I'm, but now I'm trying to develop more of an approach or focus on like a PC, say this all goes to zero. If I looked in my case right now, there's a lot of it. I wouldn't want to keep like that LeBron, uh, 
PSA eight tops Chrome. Like I'm not a LeBron fan. Yeah. So I'm kind of trying to like steer towards more PC and kind of figure out what I'd be happy with. Um, I, I know you've been touching on this, so that's something I, aside from like flipping and like making money, it's fun, but like, I also want to focus more on that collection aspect. Yeah. I've teased it for a week now. I promise I have a video coming out. I'm going to talk about building a portfolio and I hope that, I mean, it kind of goes along with collecting, but I, I just think that it's, it's, there's tools out there that we can use to take a bigger, uh, a broader view at what we have amassed what we have in our inventory. And then I think that if we can use those tools, it can kind of steer us in the right direction of, well, I want to pick up some more of this long-term and am I, am I going to be happy with that? You know, just kind of giving us a big picture view of what we have going on. I keep saying, I'm going to make that video. I promise it'll probably be the next video out after this podcast, more likely right. than not. So, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And no, I, I think it's one people are going to benefit from for sure. Um, just developing like a, that different bucket approach, like investment PC and like, yeah, not just going because I, I kind of just go on eBay and like start looking around buying things without sitting down beforehand and saying like what do I actually want and why do I want it is this a PC piece or an investment yeah piece? like I kind of go around like oh it's baseball time like time to buy baseball so I go and buy top these yeah but there, well, there's more of the hobby I think and I, I, I need to focus on that well I'm happy to hear you say that because I was struggling with that and that's kind of where I came up with this video that I'm talking about I'm going to do and I think it's going to help with that because it gives a little bit of clarity and you can kind of see where stuff fits in. And then these tools, of course, help you kind of see where stuff spikes. And so it just lets you know, it kind of kicks you and say, hey, you know, you might want to sell right now, that kind of thing. So, yeah, because I don't know about you, but I know sometimes I have inventory sit stack. I probably have inventory that spiked twice since I've been holding it. And I just didn't yeah. realize it because I'm not checking this stuff, you know. And same like consolidating for me is a big trying to or a big focus right now. Because if you if you have too many cards that you can't like manage and keep track of, then you're gonna do exactly what you said. Things are gonna spike and you're not gonna be able to handle it all. So I'm trying to go for like more hundred to thousand dollar cards instead of like all well, that X Factor of Peyton Manning. I'm happy with that card, but well, like, that's not gonna yeah. have a thousand of those yeah. and like one five hundred dollar card. Try to kind of consolidate your money, unless it's PC, then that's totally different. Uh, but for investment wise, just kind of consolidate and make it manageable. So it's not like a, does it feel like a part-time job? Cause this is supposed to be fun. Well, I don't want to linger too much, but you know, like imagine you were a day trader in stocks and you just buy stocks all the time, but you don't have a, you don't track what they're worth. So then you never know when to sell. If you've got an inventory of cards that you're not tracking the value of you, it's the same thing. I mean, you're day trading and not knowing what your stocks are worth. So you never know when to sell. And so I think it's really important that, and there are tools out there that, that do, do this for us that track, you know, our values and kind of let us know, all right, now it's a good time to move, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a great point there. And then, yeah, I mean, consolidation is what everyone's trying to do, but you know, still, if you're going to shows, you know, you find these Peyton Mannings, right? These $2 ones you can flip in a 20. Those are perfect ways to, you know, put a couple dollars in, get a few more dollars out. And then start looking for, you know, the next card, right? You just keep flipping exactly. up. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much more time we have. Or is, is there a focus you kind of want to jump into? I'm open for Fanatics, HGA. I know those are the kind of the hot topics right now. Well, you know, everybody <laughs> here listening to this always gets to hear me talk about my opinion of Fanatics and all these other content creators that we always have on or that they always go watch. I mean, you know, what do you think about Fanatics? I mean, do you have a strong opinion about it or, you know, do you think it's kind of whatever? Um, 
Well, I, I obviously I view like they're going to be big changes. Of course, um, I, I've heard this opinion elsewhere, and I agree. Grading is just a step way too far. The people yeah. producing the card, you're going to be able to buy pre-graded cards. It sounds like, or that's kind of possible and po- a possible approach that they're trying to get, and that just doesn't make any sense. So I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope there's pushback if that's actually what they're trying to do. Um, but with fanatics coming. I'm a little more nervous about the next four to five years before they take over uh, right now than when Fanatics does. So I'm hoping Tops and Panini aren't just going to over like double the printing they've been doing because it already seems like there's massive overprint uh, just trying to take advantage while they do have the license. So that's kind of what I'm nervous for. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, I'm just going to go harder on vintage because that stuff's not getting printed. I mean, what you said, you already said you're doing that. So I guess you kind of, yeah. I mean, that shows that, you know, you're saying you're worried about it and you're you're moving in that direction already because you think it's likely to happen, I guess. Yeah, I, to them, if I was on their side, I think it makes sense business-wise. Yep. At that point, you're printing money. People are still buying it. Target sells out immediately on not every product, but like Donruss Mega Boxes sold out in 10 seconds. It's People want to rip wax. People want to break. It's That's not going to go away. So it makes sense for them to print it to the ground. I am. I think that's what they're going to do. Um, so I'm, yeah, just doubling down on vintage right now. Yep. That's, I, I think it's an interesting play. And, um, I mean, that's kind of my take on fanatics. I mean, overall is, yeah, I, I, I think the hobby will reject graded fanatics cards from, yeah. from fanatics to include CSG because, you know, they have ownership, they have a majority. Michael Rubin has majority ownership in CSG yeah. through an investment firm. But anyway, um, but then, yeah, I, I think your, your, uh, fears, your worries about tops and panini the next three, four years, however long it is. I mean, it's pretty, pretty smart, you know, concerns there. And I think that going to vintage is, you know, it seems like a, a pretty good play too. I mean, I've seen a lot of people comment, like, I'm just not going to buy the new cards. I'm just going to go to vintage. Exactly. I mean, I, I feel like numbered is always safe. Uh, we'll see if that changes, but people are still going to want the new players that come out in five to six years. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a star in one of those classes, multiple. Um, and people are still going to want their card. And I think if you're going to go that route, who knows if silvers and hollows aren't going to be as rare as they are now. Right. And numbered will be the way to go. If you are going to buy singles um, for the upcoming classes, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to focus on stuff probably 2018 and 2019 and before that. I think you brought you brought this up earlier. I think the most important thing is going to be eye appeal, even more than numbered, yeah. because you know you you can have a numbered to ten card, but if it's ugly, and then exactly. you know what we saw with select this year, where they had thirty seven or however many one of ones, you know, per card, it's like this is ridiculous. Zebra polka dot prism and oh god, yeah, exactly. So I think that it's going to be you know hobby staples, you know your fast break, your your no huddle stuff like that's going to still be popular. The silvers, of course. Your, your team color matches, people really like those, and that stuff keeps keep gaining ground. And then I think, um, you know, if it's a good-looking parallel, I think it's still going to get some love. And then if it's numbered, it's just going to help that. But if it's ugly, I think uh, probably stay away from ugly cards. <laughs> always. Always. Yeah. We take away. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, I, I just stick to the basics. The, the staple parallels, like you were saying, hollow silvers, if you're trying to flip, PC wise, if you like the zebra prism polka dot, get the zebra polka dot prism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Get the one for you then. So, 
All right, brother. Anything else you want to go on about, or anything else you had on your heart, as they say? On my heart. Yeah, having fun with that. Uh, no, I feel pretty good about. I think we talked uh, about all the stuff in my heart right now. <laughs> um, you laid my, it all out there. Yeah. I laid it all out, so everybody knows. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just I think the only other thing, real quick, is HGA, and but I think people have been talking about it, like talking it into the ground. Um, I think they're great custom labels, but I just don't trust. I have PC cards. I want to have a custom label on, but just I'm not a fan of subgrades in the first place, and I don't trust their grading. Oh, that's interesting. So, because I, I just like nines or tens. I don't really like the whole subgrades. That's just me personally. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, but when they first started grading, I remember watching an unboxing or like return of uh, another YouTuber. And they, it seems like they just put like random subgrades. Like we looked at the corners, they were like an eight, five or nine on the label. On the label, they yeah. perfect. And then the centering was super off and it was like a nine, five. And it's just, I, they may have changed, but like once I saw that and the whole like Patrick Mahomes auto trauma, it's just, I, I want to stay away. It's the custom labels are cool, but for me, I'm just, I wouldn't feel. I don't trust HDA. That's it. Like, I don't trust their opinion or grading, but the labels are cool. The labels are cool. Now, so there you go. Straight from the horse's mouth. You know, so many people, HGA included, like say all content creators, just, you know, the big content creators like Neo and stuff, they just hate HGA, you know, two average schmoes here, you know, just talking about HGA saying that, you know, they lost trust. They lost the trust yeah. of the hobby. So um, the sooner they realize that and try to fix it, uh, the better for them because, their arrogance is going to be the end of them, but hey, what are you going to do? So. Yeah, and the the whole price increase I get now, but like with everyone's opinion about you and you can't fill up the queue, I get logistics, but uh, I don't think they're helping themselves. And like you were saying, the focus on AI, like I don't care about AI. I want you to not grade fake autographs and I want the subgrades to actual, actually be accurate. It's just, I don't know. But the labels are cool. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna keep saying that they are cool. But yeah, they are cool. I do like to, you know they were disruptor to that to that brand to to grading, and I think I think their existence is is better for great. The fact that they existed, period, is better for grading than not. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but they're going the wrong direction. Yeah, because it it might. I mean, I don't. SGC is not going to go away from the tuxedo, and I don't see PSA coming out with custom labels. But it's. It's good that it was done to at least open our like minds to it. And maybe that is a development for a, maybe CSG, maybe they, cause everyone hates their labels. Maybe they come out with custom labels and people already trust their grading. So maybe that's a play. I don't yep. know. But. All right, Mike. Well, Hey, thanks so much for coming on brother. And again, I'll, you know, everybody I'll link Mike's YouTube down below. Mike, do you want to shout out an Instagram or Twitter or anything? Uh, no, I'm just on YouTube. Just there we go. I appreciate that. I feel that everyone's like, "What's your Instagram?" And I'm like, "I, I don't, I don't know how to what an Instagram." Yeah, is. The, YouTube's <laughs> enough of a, a hassle for me. <laughs> yeah, so learn all this technology stuff. I, I can't. All right, what's your next big purchase, Mike? Next big purchase. I really want that uh, Ted Williams 1939 play ball rookie card. No, but I mean, that's like that. The LeBron tops Chrome would go, go towards that. Sure, sure, yeah. And uh, I can't find one around comps on eBay. So that's a, Man. that's one 
pretty far out in the future, but that's that's my grail card. I know. Yeah, I love to hear it. You said you know thing, but that's yeah. the one I want. Yeah. Even I mean, if so we, we talked football, we talked basketball, and you said you're 26, and the next big chase card you have is a 1939 baseball card. So I love it. That's great stuff, brother. <laughs> I, I love like you have a piece of history in your hands, and that that's I, I just love that. It's like before I was born. Almost 60 years before I was born. It's <laughs> way before you were born. Shit. <laughs> and it's like, I'm holding a piece of history and it's just awesome. I don't know. Hey, uh, for the audience, if y'all want to feel, feel old, Mike was born after the junk wax era. So there you go. Yeah. I'm the... <laughs> well, I'm here for the new one. So in 30 years, we'll, I'll be able to feel like the old guy. Yeah. All right, Mike. Thanks for coming on, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. All right. Yep. All right. Mike was a great guest. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you uh, being the first one on that segment. Um, I'm sure, um, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. Who knows how mean I'm going to be in that discussion. So it was great to chat with you. And I thank you so much for coming on, brother. Appreciate you. Everybody go love Mike up at his channel. Again, link in the description. All right. Last thing, man. And then we'll head out of here. Uh, we're going to talk about next week's takes, and uh, I kind of already t talked on it about when we talked in uh, Kelda Johnson's little spot there. Um, you know, but my take is going to be basketball will be incredibly, incredibly volatile as the season starts, um, and I think there's a lot of low dollar gambles out there. You know, you could spread your money out, really just head your bets, and pick a lot of guys. You know, last week we talked about OG Anubi. This week we talked about Keldon Johnson. I'm also putting money in to kill Alexander Walker. His stuff's dirt cheap. I picked up a PSA 9 Optic Hollow for 40 bucks. You know, Zion's out there at the beginning, or they expect Naw to be heavily utilized anyway. That guy, all reports are, he is looking phenomenal. And I think, I think, I think Naw, OG Anubi, and Keldon Johnson, all three, I think are easy money. I think all three are going to come out. They're going to look really good to start the season for various reasons. Naw's going to get a lot of run because all the guards left. He's the most experienced guard back there. Now, he's the guy who's going to get all the looks. OG Anubi's going to get a ton of looks because Pascal Siakam's going to be out to, to start the season. Keldon Johnson's going to get a ton of looks. DeMar DeRozan left. Now, I think they're kind of turning the team over to Keldon. So all three of these guys, I think, come in, have a ton of opportunity given to them, and I think all three take advantage of it. All three have shown the ability to score, and now they're just going to be given more opportunity to do so which will lead at the very least to more points which usually drives up prices so i think basketball is going to be very volatile the first two weeks of the season i think you're going to see a lot of overreaction to big nights and to even people being named starters you know we saw that in star stock last year now obviously a lot less traction on star stock but i mean a guy being named a starter in the star stock his prices would go up 10x just just him being named the starter that night because somebody was hurt or something. You know, there was so much, you know, then in January, there was so many issues with COVID and all that. You had so many guys who, oh, you know, an hour before the game, so-and-so is going to start because so-and-so is in COVID protocol. And then the guy who's going to start, you know, their prices would just blow up on Starstock. Now, you know, I think we're still going to see that on Starstock just to a lesser extent. And I think in general on eBay, for, you know, a prism, optic, parallels of, of some of these bigger guys, Keldon Johnson, Naw, OG, and Newby, I think these are going to do really well if they come out and start strong, which I think these three guys, I think they will. But hey, go get you some different names that I'm not spewing out here. 
Go find you some guys that you think could have breakout seasons. More importantly, probably, if you're looking at quick flips, find you guys who could have breakout starts. I don't need them to average 25 points for the season. I just hope they average 25 points for like three games. (laughs) That's all we're looking for here. So there's my takes for next week. And that is the episode, you all. I appreciate each and every one of you. And hey, we're still looking for a few more people to come on, come onto this channel and, uh, you know, share your opinion, give your thoughts, talk about what it is you want to talk about in the hobby. All right. That's a feature that we're going to have in every episode moving forward. We had a lot of people sign up for that. Uh, We're actually booked through the middle of December at this point. I would like to get booked through Christmas. So looking for one or two more. And then we'll, we'll later in a couple months, we'll look to book post Christmas. Right, so one or two more. Send me an email. You know, my emails in all my descriptions, so go check those out. And send me an email if you're interested. We'd love to have you on. And um, yeah, it's just going to be audio, like you saw with Mike. So yeah, I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. And until next time, my friends, as always, keep collecting.